Okay. <clears throat> Thank you, young ladies. God's not through with you yet. He should be. But thank goodness he's not. He's faithful and just and long-suffering. And for that, we're extremely thankful he could be done with any of us at any time. Uh, but thank goodness he doesn't treat us that way. He's faithful. Uh, faithful is he that promised he begun a good work in you. And he shall perform it till the day of Jesus Christ. So uh, we know that the Lord's faithful and he's not going to give up on you. Um, thank goodness for that. But we'll go back to Isaiah 58. I just got a short message tonight. Um, said uh, many Baptist preachers in days gone by, but I uh, really am going to try to keep it a little bit short and um, just finish up Isaiah 58 and then uh, get ready for our Mother's Day service Sunday. Uh, but uh, I just wanted to finish this chapter because I believe for me personally, this is where I feel like God's given me some direction for the church and um, for myself and how to uh, move forward with the Lord. And um, so I really appreciate the Lord speaking to me at any time. Um, but, um, you know, the Bible said in sundry times and divers manners, God spake in times past on the, our fathers by the prophets as in these last days spoken unto us by his dear son. And so thank the Lord uh, for the blessings that we have in the word of God. Uh, but I want to finish Isaiah 58 and then move on. Uh, and we'll probably pick back up in 1 Peter as we move forward um, in, on into Sunday. But in Isaiah 58, just to try and catch up just a little bit, um, just to bring back kind of where we have been um, just in case you um, have slept since Sunday uh, and like me and forget. Uh, but uh, we started out in the first part of the chapter where he is told, told uh, the man of God to cry aloud. Uh, and he wants to deal with his people. He wants to cry out, uh, wants him to cry out against the sins of his people, not the sins of the world. Uh, God is always uh, judgment beginning at the house of God. And so we know that um, if um, help is to be had uh, in our nation, uh, in this world, uh, it'll have to begin at the church house. Um, and so we know that uh, God always deals with his people first. And uh, it's the same way, whether you're talking about Old Testament Israel, whether you're talking about the church uh, in this dispensation that we live today. Uh, if you're talking about the church, God still deals with his church and wants her uh, to be a glorious church without spot and uh, wants her to be a light in the middle of a lost and dying dark world. And so he wants to keep her pure and wants her to uh, live holy and right and just and so um, he always will uh, deal with us uh, because we are his children. And uh, uh, that's the way we operate as well. But he cried aloud and spare not. I want you to show my people their transgression, the house of Jacob, their sin. And he talks about a little bit what their sin is. Uh, he begins telling them uh, that their sin is not necessarily uh, fornication and adultery and um, drinking and, uh, you know, all those different things that we rate on our uh, scale of sin. Uh, sometimes what we see as extremely wicked uh, in the eyes of God, it may not be as bad as some things that God sees as extremely wicked, some things that um, are an abomination to God, some things that bother him greatly, uh, we tend to look over and put more emphasis on uh, some other things. And um, <clears throat> it's not always so with God, uh, just like in this chapter here. You've got people that are seeking him in verse 2. Uh, they even to delight to know his ways. That'll be key, verse 2, as we get down to the end of the chapter uh, but uh, they do it as a nation that did not forsake the ordinances that God had given them, and they did it as a nation um, uh, that did not that did righteous uh, righteousness, and of course they did not. Um, and he said, "But they're living and acting as if nothing is wrong. They're approaching me as though they were just and they were right, um, and uh, it is not so. And so God begins to expose that in them." And uh, uh, I have uh, some things uh, that I had uh, uh, written or copied down here that um, are some good uh, quotes here. 
but uh, Richard Baxter said self is the most treacherous enemy and the most insinuating deceiver in the world. Of all other vices, it is both the hardest to find out and the hardest to cure. Uh, and so uh, he is talking about their self because that is what uh, God reveals to them that their problem is. Their problem is self. Uh, even in their religious activities, remember, they're finding pleasure. In verse number three, uh, they've, wherefore, God, have we afflicted our soul? Now take us no knowledge uh, and all of those things. And he said, behold, in the day of your fast, you find pleasure. And exact all your labors. And uh, so you are self-seeking, self-interested people. Uh, and, uh, you know, God begins to want to expose that in them and then wants them to fix that. And then God offers what he will do if they will fix that uh, problem that they have. And uh, so behold, you fast for strife and debate. Uh, you smite with the fist of wickedness. You shall not fast as you do this day uh, to make your voices to be heard on high. It is such a fast that I have chosen a day for a man to afflict his soul. Is it to bow down his head as a bulrush and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Uh, Will thou call this a fast and an acceptable day to the Lord? Uh, verse number six, is not this the fast that I have chosen? To loose the bands of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, and to let the oppressed go free, and that ye break every yoke. Is it not to deal thy bread to the hungry, and that thou bring the poor that are cast out to thy house? When thou seest the naked, that thou cover him, and that thou hide not thyself from thine own flesh." And so this is a very serious charge laid uh, to the people of God. Uh, he is charging them with uh, basic uh, pride and selfish uh, uh, behavior. Uh, they are uh, basically have gotten to the place. I remember in other chapters, uh, it got to a place where they were buying uh, so much land that there was no other land for their neighbor to have. They were self-seeking, self-interested. It wasn't about their brother and their sisters and even all the way back in Levitical laws and you go back uh, further on into the New Testament you can see how many of the ordinances and, uh, and laws that God instituted uh, for people to take care of one another for people to care for each other uh, and so uh, they were breaking all of those all in the name of self-promotion and self-satisfaction and uh, so God uh, uh, charges them with this he said look uh, your problem is not that you're not seeking me you're doing that uh, it's not that you don't really want to know uh, what kind of God that I am you want to know my ways uh, and you even take delight in, in approaching to me. And prayer is not a work for you. It's not an intense labor. You enjoy and you enjoy the approaching, uh, by the way. Uh, I think that's worded very carefully in verse 2. Uh, but anyway, and so he said, you, you delight in those things and you're doing, a, you know, that's fine. Uh, but it's what you're leaving undone. And Jesus mentioned this even. And, you know, this should you have done and not let the other undone. Uh, and so uh, many have... Um, uh, looked at the weightier matters of the law and uh, let those things go slip, uh, but made sure they did a lot of the outward and self um, uh, self uh, satisfying things and uh, the self the things that made them look better and the things that could be seen. Uh, he called them whited sepulchers uh, that they uh, were clean on the outside, but inside they were filthy. And uh, so uh, this is kind of the theme in which he's telling them uh, all the outward workings of kind of what you're doing. That's wonderful. But it's me. It's getting you nowhere uh, because I'm not listening. Uh, you lost me at when you began to uh, lay heavier burdens on your brother. Uh, I forget, maybe it was Vance Havner or somebody said that you ought to live uh, in such a way as uh, to be uh, hard on yourself and easy on others. Uh, carrying other people's burdens but never laying one upon their back. And uh, so that is kind of how God wants us to be. He wants us to, uh, even looking in Peter, uh, how Jesus Christ ministered on his, in his lifetime. And he charges them and says, look, you're not doing that. You're... Um, 
you're selfish, you're, you're hiding yourself from your own flesh. Uh, those that were born of, uh, of Adam, the, your fellow human race that was created in the image of God, uh, you uh, have no use to help him. You have no uh, desire to help him except for how that it can help you. And a lot of people in our day have that attitude. They have that look at things. People are pawns to be used in some sort of religious game. And uh, they look at people as though they're some sort of a, a, a stepping stool in which to get to where that they want to be. And so they'll, uh, their self-interest, self-motivation, even behind their kind acts, they're doing a lot of things. People do things so that they can be seen, so that they can be rewarded for it. Uh, they want people to know and so there's a uh, promotion of self there, even in a kind act that they commit and uh, various things like that. And it takes a lot for us uh, to humble ourselves enough to look and take an honest look and reflect on ourselves to see if this is true in ourselves. Do we um, go to church to be seen? Are we faithful to church so that people will know that we're faithful and we can look better than the ones that are not very faithful? Are we uh, giving and tithing so that somebody will know how much we're giving uh, and maybe in order to gain some sort of favor in the church. Uh, I know there's people out there in churches that uh, something happens in the church and they say, well, uh, uh, you know, bless God, I've given X amount of dollars. Uh, well, that doesn't buy you uh, uh, favor. This isn't American politics. This is the church. And so I don't care if you've given a million dollars. It was God's money and it certainly is God's now and you relinquish control of it when you gave it. And uh, so it doesn't buy you an extra vote uh, or extra favor to give uh, more than anybody else. Self, self, search yourself. Is it, uh, uh, the things that you're doing in service to God, is it so that other people will take notice of it? Is there, is there self behind a lot of what we do? And I think if we're all honest, I think we would have to look at at least some degrees of our life and find that there's self behind even our best days. Uh, even our best acts sometimes uh, we'll find out, maybe didn't even know it beforehand, uh, but then we'll go on to find out maybe by how that person responded that uh, self was really behind all of that. We didn't do it because it was right. We didn't do it because we loved people and we wanted to see them uh, prosper. We did it so that we could get something out of it. And uh, so we have to be careful with that. And that's a basic of what he's charging them with. Everything that they're doing, uh, everything that they're even in their seeking, their fasting, uh, everything they're doing, they're doing for themselves. They're doing for the better of themselves. And it doesn't matter uh, that there's people starving around them. Uh, they need bigger barns to put more of their stuff in. Uh, it doesn't matter that people barely have enough money to buy clothes to put on their back. Uh, they're mad because it doesn't uh, fit a certain form uh, that they think it should be. They're certainly not going to lift a finger uh, to provide for that family to help them to get clothes that are suitable. Uh, but they certainly will cut them down when we get on the phone with other people. And so uh, this is the kind of attitude uh, that this group of people had at the time. It was all about themselves. And so you could not tell it uh, by looking on the outside unless you really look through the eyes of Scripture uh, because it seemed like they were very holy, seemed like they were very religious, it seemed like they were doing so many wonderful things. Look, every single day, uh, these people are seeking God. I think some people hide behind prayer as a means of not having to go out and make a difference in the world. Uh, they find it easy to lock themselves away in their bedrooms and quote pray uh, and that keeps them from uh, in their conscience at least uh, from being feeling guilty about not being out there where people are dying uh, and going to hell. And so uh, I think we must be extremely careful because this group uh, looked fairly good on the outside, uh, but inside they were a selfish, self-motivated people, uh, and God had to expose it in them. And I thank God when he exposes it in me. I want to see it. I want to know it, and I want to get it fixed. Is that not what the Bible says, that we uh, run to the light, that our deeds may be made manifest? We're not, uh, we're not running from the light anymore. Lost people uh, love dark 
darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil and they don't want to be reproved. But you and I, now that we're saved and we're born again, uh, we, we cling and draw to the light because the light exposes uh, the dark corridors of our life. And the light of the truth of the gospel and the truth, the Bible truth, uh, will expose things in us that we can see to change ourselves for the glory of God because he uses the same power in you to conform you to the image. Is that not what the Bible says? That we are being conformed to an image by the power which worketh in us. And so God's input himself inside of us and change us from the inside out and making us new creatures and giving us the power to overcome and giving us the power to not stay the same. People fight repentance, but repentance is a, is a beautiful word. It gives the idea that I'm able to change. I don't have to remain the same. Uh, I'm not, I'm not immutable. I, I'm a mutable being uh, that's still able to be changed. If I'm selfish today, uh, God can expose it. And I certainly have the power. Uh, if I want to, God will help me uh, to get more of myself out of me and be more uh, sold out and dedicated to him. And so God wants to help this crowd do that. Uh, he wants them to see uh, that all that they're doing is selfish and that they need to take a quick look to stop and look around themselves for a little bit and see the disparity of the community that they live in. Look around at the poor. Look around at the naked. Look around at those that have been cast out and left to uh, abandon, to fend for themselves. Look, at, uh, look around you at those. Uh, look around us at the children that have been abandoned basically. Uh, they're nothing more than a, than a check from the government to a lot of parents in Harriman. Uh, they're just a, a paycheck. That kid is a tax deduction or something at the end of the year that they can get back some money to do some more dope with. And you think that doesn't exist. You need to get your head out of the sand. Uh, it exists right here in this county. Uh, there's people we need to stop for a minute when we think we've got it so bad and we spend all of our time seeking, wanting God God to fix everything in our life and make us this, uh, remove every obstacle, uh, make us happier, give us what we want, the desires, and, uh, and not give us new desires, give us what we want, God. Uh, we've treated him more like a genie in the bottle uh, that we can rub and make a wish uh, for to make our life uh, better and happier, and we haven't taken a moment to step back and look around us and see that there are people that are dying. They're not just They're not just dying physically. Obviously, that's terrible. I don't want to see anybody leave this world unsaved. I don't want to see anybody starve. I don't like to see young children not being fed properly, but I certainly don't like to see uh, young children being raised out of the fear of God with no uh, Bible knowledge, no truth about Jesus, uh, Noah, Moses, no Bible stories, and no, uh, no Bible truths, I guess I should say. Uh, and so we need to, uh, once again, and he tries to get them to see uh, that they need to get a burden for somebody more than themselves. And most of what I see in my day and that I'm ministering in is most people have a burden and their burden that they carry is very heavy because it is the burden of self. They care about most anything in this world. The most they care about in this world is themselves. And if they would, some people don't even see it, but if they would stop and really take a good account of how they're living their life and what they're living for and what sets them off and what upsets them and what, how their days affected and how they're, they will come to find out that they are extremely selfish and arrogant and prideful people. And uh, I think we all need to be careful with that. But uh, we have certainly live in a day where people are the God of self. Uh, and that has been something that the devil has been trying to get the human race to look at and bite into for for a long time. Uh, you shall not surely die. It's not going to be a problem for you to satisfy yourself. Look how good that that looks. Look how uh, pleasing it is to the eye. Uh, God knows for in the day that you eat thereof, uh, you shall be as gods, knowing good. And so he uh, tries to entice them by saying, not only are you not going to die, it's actually going to be good for you and get them to live for themselves. It doesn't matter uh, that it may 
be uh, very good tasting. It may look very good. It may be satisfying to take a bite and it may increase your knowledge to eat it. But the fact is God said, and I want to please him, and he told me not to do it. And uh, that is a life of self-denial. Spurgeon even said the Christian life in its essence uh, is self-denial. I don't know. I would take it a step further and say the, uh, the essence of Christian life is living for the will of God. It's not so much the epitome of the Christian life is not being able to say no to things that would be good for you. Uh, that's a no, whole different type of religion. Uh, th- there's a purpose in saying no to myself, and that's because I'm saying yes to God. I am trying to please him and not please myself. Uh, and so you can't have the one without the other. It's kind of like repentance. Uh, penance is turning from, uh, but that can't be the end of it. You must turn from unto God. And it's the same thing in self-denial. You can't just deny yourself and be successful. You must deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow Jesus uh, in order to be successful in the Christian life. Uh, but anyway, he goes on and explains to them that uh, they're living for themselves. They're living... Uh, uh, You just take a look at how we spend our time. Uh, Our time, I would say, generally speaking, uh, is spent to the majority uh, in doing what we want to do. We know that if we go on visitation, we're not going to be able to go home and take the nap that we want to take. We're not going to be able to watch the show that comes on that we want to watch. We know if we go to visitation and try to witness to people, uh, we know that we're going to miss the ball game that might be on during that time. And uh, so we're very selfish. Self motivates uh, every action that most people take in our day. It's all about themselves, what church they go to, where they serve in church, where they sit uh, is all self motivated. Everything uh, is self, self, self. And um, even, uh, but let's, let's move on. Uh, but he said, now what I want you to do uh, and what had caused them, they had gotten so selfish that they had begun to even isolate themselves uh, from the rest of the world uh, because they had no thought for anybody else uh, but themselves. And so what he says was, now here's what I want you to do. I don't want you to hide yourself from your flesh anymore. I want you to go back with me in verse number seven. I want you to deal your bread to the hungry. See, that not only takes, if you look there, that not only takes from your resources. So there's not only a financial burden that is taking place there. He's having to take of something that he owns, something he worked for, something that he gained uh, by the grace of God, by the way. Uh, but and, and so you have a depletion of his resources, sure. But then there also takes the time. Notice in verse number seven, it said, I want you, is it not to deal thy bread to the hungry? So I don't want you to just uh, set this bread out on the porch and let the local, um, uh, you know, Red Cross come by and pick it up and deliver it to people that need it for you. That would be a great thing. I'm not being against that. Well, what I'm saying, what's God telling these people here in this verse? I want you to deal your bread to the hungry. Uh, see, I think where most of us have the biggest problem. Uh, I, I, I have this trouble in myself. I, uh, by the grace of God, I don't have an issue giving. Uh, sometimes I uh, probably should be a little more uh, careful in giving uh, to a degree. But what I'm saying is I, I don't mind. You can, as long as I've got enough to pay bills, you can have it. I don't, money doesn't make me very happy. It, it can't do anything. The more I've got, the more I usually spend anyway. And uh, so, but, uh, so I don't mind to write a check to missions or uh, to write a check for my tithe or uh, those kind of things don't generally, I don't have that struggle. I, some people do, and uh, I understand that, but uh, my struggle's a little different. My, my struggle is, is with my time. Uh, I'm very selfish with my time. And I think if we're all honest with ourselves and we're going to be honest, the only way to have revival is that we get honest, people. We can, we can try to look good and try to look right and cover it all up, pretend there's nothing wrong, uh, but we're never going to gain 
gain any ground by continuing to do that. We're going to have to be honest. And the honest truth is, I don't mind to set the food out on the porch. If you want to take it down there and give it to them, they can have it. As long as I can make me a sandwich, they can have the rest of the loaf. Uh, But uh, what about if I had to be the one to take my own bread and put it in the car and start the car up and get ready and take my time to drive it down to the hungry and to feed the hungry? Uh, that would be another step I don't know if I'm ready for uh, a lot of times. And sometimes yes, sometimes no. Uh, we're very selfish with our time. Uh, we don't we don't like anybody interfering with our time. We don't uh, we don't we know that. Um, uh, we, if we have to go uh, to prayer meeting or we go to church services and uh, church lasts longer than an hour, we're, we're kind of antsy, ready to go because time's being eaten up and our time we're wanting to spend somewhere else. And that's where our problem, our problem is with our time most, most of the time. Our time is what is a problem. And, that, and that's why the Bible says redeeming the time, the days are evil. We'd be a whole lot better off spending and investing our time in things that were more profitable. And what would be more profitable, what he's telling them here, is why don't you spend your time uh, 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 feeding the hungry? Why don't you spend your time uh, getting people out from under burdens that are afflicted? He talks about the afflicted soul. I believe that's talking about a person that's depressed. I think it's uh, saying, you know, there's people that are struggling uh, spiritually, emotionally um, from uh, distresses, various distresses in their life. Uh, why don't you take your time and go spend your time to comfort the afflicted, to uh, take of your time. Stop uh, stop letting your checkbook uh, uh, ease your conscience. And I hate to say that because it takes the checkbook to get things done a lot of time. And I'm not against, we'll take all the checks you want to write here at Tabernacle. Uh, but <laughs> I'm just trying to give you something from the Lord. And uh, from the Lord's perspective, uh, what he's saying is don't leave that undone, uh, but you should also take care of matters of your time. Uh, How many of us would volunteer any of our time to do something? Uh, Volunteer our time to come down and to clean the church, uh, to clean the toilets, to volunteer our time to come down and mow the yard and to weed eat and to uh, do those things. Volunteer our time to visit our widows, visit the afflicted, those that are in the hospital. Take our time to go out and uh, try to uh, get into the marketplace and reason with people uh, concerning Christ. How many of us would take our time? You say, well, only preachers do that. Show me in the Bible where the Bible said only preachers are supposed to be out in the community uh, trying to witness to people. I I think it's the obligation of every Christian uh, to get out there and get concerned with people again. And I can say this, and I'm no prophet, but I can say this, our churches will continue to dry up. They will dry up spiritually. They shall never die uh, the true church, uh, but our churches, our local churches will continue uh, to dry up uh, the more uh, that selfish that we become and the less time we spend uh, having a burden for other people. Uh, The more we concentrate on ourselves and our uh, my for and no more, the less uh, spiritual we're going to be. uh, We're going to dry up on God. Uh, Our services will dry up. Uh, People will not be getting saved because no one has a burden uh, for people to uh, see people saved. And, uh, so we need to get our eyes off of ourselves and get back to dealing our bread to the hungry and to bring the poor that are cast out to thy house. And uh, when thou seest the naked, cover him and uh, don't hide yourself from your own flesh. Verse number eight. And here's what he says will happen to me and you if we will get back to taking care of those things in which God left us here to do. He left us here to be a light to a lost world. He wants us to uh, to be a light uh, to other people. He wants us to uh, show the world what it's like to have joy and peace uh, and persecution and suffering uh, during those times. But he said, here's what's going to happen. If you will get back to doing, uh, don't leave the other undone uh, and continue seeking, continue fasting, continue praying, uh, but but also get back to feeding the hungry and back to making a difference, witnessing in the community, uh, trying to reach those with the gospel. 
If you'll get back uh, to doing those things, here's what's going to happen. Your light, uh, then shall thy light break forth as the morning, and thine health shall spring forth speedily, and thy righteousness shall go before thee. The glory of the Lord shall be thy reward. And that's where we ended last time. Uh, but the glory of the Lord shall be thy reward. I can't think of a greater reward of what God would do for us if we would do for others. I think Paul put it best when he said, Yea, and if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I do rejoice with you all. I joy and rejoice with you all. Paul is saying, If you laid me down on the altar and offered me up like a sacrifice, and I burnt my life up as a sacrifice to strengthen and increase your faith, then I would rejoice with you over that. I say, I say we've come a far cry uh, from the uh, from the uh, uh, Christianity that has been known uh, in the very beginning of uh, this Christian church. We have come a far cry uh, from the willingness to sacrifice ourselves and our lives for the better of our brothers and sisters. Uh, we'd be more apt to sacrifice them to make our own life better. We've nearly done a 180 in our churches now. Uh, uh, we would much rather throw someone else under the bus rather than to uh, jump in front of it for them. We've done a 180. He said, if I'd be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith. Uh, Paul lived his life to the will and glory of God, but in the service of other people. Uh, those people mattered to Paul. He loved people. He, Paul said, you are my joy and my crown of rejoicing. I believe in Philippians chapter number two, he talked about uh, so many of these things and his great love for people. He uh, rejoiced even uh, at their coming when they stood. I've got a verse here I wanted to mention and get to, and I didn't get time to uh, bring it all out, but uh, I, I went through at one time the Bible and marked down all the verses that talked about how Paul loved people. See, people want to say, well, all that matters is that we please God. Well, I do believe that. I understand that. What matters is the glory of God. Uh, but what God has said in return is if you love me, I want you to love others. So if you want to bring me glory, I want to see you treat other people like they matter. I want you to love them. I want you to care for them. If they're afflicted, I want you to comfort and console them. If they're naked, I want you to clothe them. If they're hungry, I want you to feed them. If they're thirsty, I want you to give them a glass of water. I want you to care for your brothers and sisters and for people, uh, your own flesh, like I have cared for you, like I have loved you. I want you to sacrifice yourself for the better of others. I've heard people say all the time, I'm not going to be a doormat for people. Well, I wish you'd have told Jesus that. I wish you'd have told Paul that when he said I would offer myself a curse uh, for my kinsmen according to the flesh uh, uh, who was willing to go down that others might go up. Uh, Jesus was certainly a doormat for you. He was spit on and beaten and crucified for your behalf. Uh, I don't know where we we got this attitude that uh, we're not going to be treated, bless God, by people that way, and all of that kind of attitude where it crept in. Uh, but, but Jesus said uh, to us that he wanted us uh, to do unto others uh, and, and to treat others as we have him as an example who when he was reviled, reviled not again. Uh, and so uh, those many examples that we have, I don't know where we've gotten the attitude that we're not going to be a doormat for people. I'd rather be a doormat for my brothers and sisters. Uh, because I know God will highly exalt me in due time. Uh, you can uh, lay low uh, a man and tread on him and walk on him uh, and, and get to where you want to go uh, on his back. Uh, but if he'll humble himself and with the right intent and the right heart want to help you and do better for you, God will highly exalt him in due time. Uh, don't you worry about that. I don't know why people have that kind of attitude. <laughs> we, uh, we need to have a, a different attitude and a different look towards uh, the Christian life. Our lives should be spent in the service of people uh, for the glory of God. God instituted it that way. God wants us uh, to sacrifice of our own belongings and our own time uh, to reach and to help other people. That is what God wants for our life. And, and when we draw up into the four walls of our churches and only invite him, uh, that's what's happened in most of our uh, 
fundamental movement. Uh, we try to get the, to the service that shouts the most, that is the most exciting, uh, that has the biggest named preachers in them, has the best singers uh, in them that make uh, people happy. Uh, we try our best to go and to reach out to other churches and make sure other churches are coming. Uh, but how many of us have reached in uh, to the uh, poverty stricken uh, low income communities uh, into the trailer parks into the uh, into the uh, section 8 housing into the government housing facilities and reached into those places and compelled them uh, to come we are uh, just a far cry and not everybody but a lot of us have come a long far way uh, away from the intentions of our forefathers uh, when they began to build and they began to lay the foundations uh, of what the Christian church should be. We've come a far cry uh, from where we should be. Uh, we should be reaching out. Uh, we should not be uh, snubbing our nose up uh, at those that are um, the drunkard of the community. That used to be the goal uh, of a lot of our churches. They'd like to get the meanest drunk they could find and get him saved for the glory of God. Uh, they wanted to reach into the communities. They kept after people because they loved them. Uh, we need to get back to being focused less on ourselves and less on the form and less on the uh, one, two, threes of things sometimes and get back and with a burden to see people born again and to see lives changed, to see Christians that are astray and have gone astray and that are in the air of their way uh, for us that are spiritual to restore such a one in a spirit of meekness. Uh, I've seen people kicked out of churches and were never even attempted to be restored. Uh, we've come a long, far cry away uh, from the original uh, intentions of what God wants us to do. God wants us to be in care of our brothers and sisters. Then shall thy light break forth as the morning. And boy, I'm getting to wrap this up, but boy, our light needs to break forth. We don't have much light uh, anymore. Uh, our, this world doesn't notice us very much anymore. Uh, and it has nothing to do with number and very much to do with numbness. We're, we're numb. We're completely uh, numb to the reality that we're making very little impact on our communities. Not because of the power of God and not because of the times. Because we're selfish and we waste our time uh, trying to amass an army inside a building and we let the world burn down around us. That's why uh, we are become ineffective. Uh, because God's give us the power, God's give us the ability, and God has the desire uh, to want to do it, uh, but we don't. We are satisfied and happy if most of our folks came, and we are worried about how many showed up, how many numbers and um, bodies are in the seats, and we're very, very, very unconcerned uh, that there wasn't very many lost people in the service. We ought to be extremely troubled uh, when lost people don't come. I understand when religious people that are still fascinated by the world don't come, uh, but it ought to trouble us, not uh, that people that are professing something and can't stay faithful because they don't possess it. Uh, we should be a whole lot less troubled over that and trying to preach them right uh, and a whole lot more concerned that there are very little lost people that want to come into our services anymore. Very few are even invited to come. Very few, I'd say, if you reflected last year, Christian, I'd like to ask you something. Reflect with me last year. Think back to your time last year and how it was spent. I want you to tell me, uh, I, I would like for you to tell yourself, rather, excuse me, I'd like for you to tell yourself how many people you invited to church last year. It'd be shocking to see how many zeros we had. It'd be shocking to see how many zeros we have. And say, well, uh, churches, I understand that, but uh, some people feel like maybe they're not good at witnessing. You could at least get them to come to church and let the preacher preach to them. Uh, how, many, how many people did you give a tract to? How many people did you tell about Jesus? How many times did you share your testimony? How many times did you stand up in a church service and thank God for anything? Uh, how many prayer requests did you offer up 
I, I don't think I could live. I don't think if I had a notebook from the ceiling to the floor, I could, I could, I could, I don't think I could have enough notebooks to keep up with how many prayers last year, uh, prayer requests that we had for good health. And I'm for good health. I want good health. Believe you me. And I'm for others having good health. But if you had that in comparison uh, to the number of prayer requests that were mentioned, pray for so-and-so they're lost and I want to see them saved. I could count on one hand how many I remember. I could count on one hand how many times I saw someone tear up emotionally talking about lost loved ones that they wanted to see. We become numb people. We're not troubled that they're not coming. We don't really care that they're not coming. We're not, we don't care. And I don't care that they come here. Uh, anywhere there's good churches, they go to Calvary, they go to North Rockwood, uh, they go to Faith down Brother Gidden. There's a lot of good churches uh, for lost people in Rome County to go. They don't have to come here. Uh, but I do want to see them changed. I want to see folks saved. Uh, and uh, so um, I, I, I am troubled that we've gotten caught up in the times and that we are just like this crowd. We're still going along with the form, but we really don't realize how bad off we are. Is that not what it said in Revelation? You, you, you are not literally poor and naked and blind. Obviously, they had a, a pretty good well. I don't think that was the, the problem that he's trying to tell them. What he's telling them is though everything, it looks like you're clothed, it looks like you're full, but really you're naked and empty. And uh, that's what he's telling us today. I believe that uh, our churches in 2020, what he is telling us is that we're naked and empty. We're going through the form. We're going through the processes. And we're almost mad at God that we don't see more response. But the problem is not God and his power and God's response. The problem is that we have begotten selfish and we really don't care about anybody but ourselves. The only response we want from him is one that will make us happy anyway. And I'm sure that doesn't give me uh, a lot of popularity and it's a good thing I wasn't seeking it. Uh, but I just can't sit by and troubled about these things uh, and, and just go on. I think that's where we are. I think that's where most churches are. They've lost a burden uh, to see people saved and, uh, and so uh, see others change, to see others get help. Look, if they don't ever change, uh, if they don't ever get saved, if they don't ever get right, uh, it's still right to help people that are suffering. It's still right. At any cost to yourself, that's still right. And um, so I, I want to I move on to uh, just a, a couple of things here. Um, if I can go down, then shalt thou call, and the Lord shall answer, and shalt thou cry, and he'll say, here I am. If thou take away from the midst of thee the yoke, the putting forth of the finger, and the speaking of vanity, that's what happens when we get selfish. We start fighting amongst ourselves. Uh, you watch a church do that, and churches can go through that. And when you see a lot of inward fighting, it's because in this very essence, uh, and in fact, I've got a quote here. And I can't, I didn't write them down very good. Uh, but uh, Jonathan Edwards, he said, self-denial destroys the very root and foundation of sorrow. And uh, that's a lot to think about, but I'll have to agree with that. When trouble creeps in, it generally has crept in because somebody's gotten selfish. Somebody's more concerned with themselves than they are the body. Somebody's more concerned about what's better for them than what the will of God is. And that brings sorrow into a family. It'll bring sorrow into a church. It'll bring sorrow to your job. And uh, the only answer is self-denial. Now, you'll call, I'm putting forth the finger, if thou draw out thy soul to the hungry, satisfy the afflicted soul. Thy light shall rise in obscurity and thy darkness shall be as the noonday. Isn't that wonderful? Uh, when darkness comes for you, uh, it'll actually be as the noonday. God uh, said your light will rise in obscurity. Uh, that word's also translated darkness many times, but uh, basically it's saying out of nowhere, Though it's dark now, spiritually, uh, you get to taking care of this and your light shall shine forth as it were out of nowhere. Uh, and so uh, God will let that happen. And then darkness befalls thee and that darkness won't be very dark at all. It'll be like the noonday. 
Uh, boy, that's a wonderful promise. But And then verse 11, And the Lord shall guide thee continuously and satisfy thy soul in the drought. Uh, can you imagine when you get thirsty, God said, I'll take care of you. What about spiritually? Uh, he said, and I'll make fat thy bones. Uh, I, if, if there's not uh, a verse that I have fulfilled, it's that one. Uh, God has made, put fat on my bones. Wait, that's not what it said. And I'll make fat thy bones. Uh, what that means is I'll give you strength, basically. I will strengthen you. Uh, and you will not grow weary, uh, and you will be strengthened in um, that verse. And thou shalt be like a watered garden. Isn't that wonderful? That's what God wants for our life. He often um, compared Israel uh, to a vineyard. And uh, I, 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 God, and the New Testament even talks about us not being unfruitful. Uh, and so God wants us to be like a well-watered garden. Uh, you think about the fruit uh, that is to be used of that garden. And not only is it beautiful, and not only is a life that is lived uh, outside of self and in the service of others, uh, not only is that life beautiful, it is prosperous, it is, it is, uh, it is bountiful in fruit. That is, uh, God, can, God can pick off of your life and feed people. Uh, from your life. God can use you uh, because he has you. Uh, God can use your life as he would that beautiful well-watered garden uh, with fruit coming out and uh, you being able to feed the hungry. And uh, not just physically, I'm talking spiritually. I know some people, they're like a walking garden. Uh, their life, there's just a blessing. Every time they come around, somehow or another, they're a blessing to you. And uh, I, that's the way that God wants us to be. Now, he said that uh, you would be like a spring of water whose waters fail not. I'm done with this, so I want to try to wrap it up. Uh, but he said you're going to be like a spring of water whose waters fa fail not. Now, uh, I think about this all the time. I've got a, I've got a creek that runs through the back of my property, and uh, it's a wet weather spring. It's a wet weather creek. And nothing's about as useless as a wet weather creek. Yeah, if it's raining, you can go out there and it'll be full. And I know some people, they're like those wet weather creeks. If it's raining and God sent down rain from heaven, bless God, they're full. They're running. They're shouting. They're praising. But you let it dry up and then it stop raining and they're as empty as that creek. <laughs> they're nowhere to be found. But they're full when it's raining. And God said, you won't be like that. I'll give you some consistency. I'll give you some faithfulness. I'll help you to hang in there when it's out of season, when the going gets tough. You'll be like a spring that's waters never dry up. You're never going to have a time when you're uh, going to be so down. You're not going to help anybody. God will take care of you and your waters will be like living waters flowing out of your belly and it will never dry up. And that's the kind of spring that we want to be. We don't want to be one of these wet weather jobs. It's only able to be used when it's raining and the season's right. Uh, I don't want to be like that. I've seen people hitch their wagon to various churches that are doing good and they'll grow alongside it but one problem comes into that church one church fight one church problem and they're going to hit the road uh, there's people like that buddy I don't want to be that way I want to stay faithful whether it's raining or not I want to be full I don't want to be filled based on the weather I want to stay full for the glory of God and in season out of season doesn't matter let's stay full for God and God said he'd do that uh, if, but if you find out sometimes we're empty, no matter how much we pray, no matter how much we read our Bibles, we'll end up empty. I think it's because we have neglected to get out the gospel ourselves. We've not gone out into the community. We've not handed tracts. We let people pass by us and don't tell them about Jesus. We pull around the drive through and we don't even have enough in us to invite someone to come to church. We're just upset that they took so long to get our food ready. We have lost our way, Christian, and we need an awakening of God, a reviving in the heart that I fear will not come until we admit the problem, see the problem, and repent of our transgressions. Now, the Lord shall guide thee continually. It'll be like that spring of water, and they that shall be of thee shall build the old waste places. They shall rise, raise up the foundations of many generations, and look at what he is going to let them do. 
And thou shalt be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of paths to dwell in. Uh, you see uh, the old timers cry uh, for the old paths, uh, but I think it's going to be up to us. I'm not saying the, that they are not being used. I'm not talking about that. I'm just saying I think it is up to our generation to restore the old paths that have been trodden down. Everybody's looking for a new way. Uh, everybody's treating uh, the church pastors nowadays treat the church uh, like it's a C, like they're the CEO of some business and they're instituting business practices to try to grow God's church and uh, try to increase exposure uh, rates on Facebook ads and all this stuff and God is not ever going to grow a church like that. Uh, God's going to grow a church when people uh, get themselves holy and clean and cry out to God and they get a burden to see souls saved and they get up off of their seat and use their time wisely to get out and to preach the gospel and reach sinners with the truth. That is how God is going to add to our churches daily such as should be saved. Now, they shall uh, build up the repair of the breach. Boy, we need to restore the old paths. Uh, our, my generation is trying to look the part of the old paths, uh, but they're not in the old path. Now, if now we need to restore the old paths and repair the breach. You know what I think that breach is like? I know I meant to have a short message, but I, uh, this is just stuff troubles me, and you're welcome to turn it off and go back to watching Disney. But I tell you something I think about when I think about this breach. I think about it's like being in an airplane, and you see a hole get put in the side of that airplane, and you see people just getting sucked out of that thing. That's kind of how I feel like the breaches, uh, the breach uh, in the church. It's uh, entertainment. It's modernism. Uh, it's uh, liberalism. It's uh, it's uh, it's the uh, the soft, easy gospel. Uh, it it is just the, all these uh, breaches. Uh, this uh, big hole in the side of the church that one person opens up this breach. One group opens up a breach in the side and it begins to suck people out left and right. Uh, this person uh, seeming to get by with living uh, living in the world and they leave the church and they go live it up and it looks like they're doing well and it attracts some young people some young couples think that it's okay to do that. They seem to be doing alright and they're going down to this church that won't stand for anything and won't preach anything or hold to anything and they are happier than they've ever been and uh, that looks are deceiving and the grass ain't always greener uh, but they and their youth uh, not according to knowledge they go out and they're sucked out the breach uh, out with that crowd and uh, there is all kinds of breaches that have been opened up in our churches and uh, people are, have been sucked out left and right and we need to repair the breach and we need to get back to doing God's business God's way and uncompromisingly stand for the truth of this Bible and go on if we go on with very few. But we better go on with very few and a great heavy burden uh, for lost souls. Now, uh, he said, uh, if thou turn away thy foot from the Sabbath, uh, from doing thy pleasure on my holy day, uh, wouldn't that be something good to get back to? Uh, Sundays used to be a holy day. Uh, Sundays in this nation, businesses used to be shut down. Uh, Sundays, uh, families wouldn't go out to eat. Uh, Sundays, families, and we used to do that and stop doing it. Uh, convenience caused uh, us to uh, um, uh, give up on that conviction. Uh, we've given up on a lot of things. And you know what's guided us now? We've been guided by, is this lawful? And so we look at everything like we're living on the fringes of sin. Uh, we're right there toe-lining the mark of what's right and wrong. Always erring on the side of what is wrong. And just seeing how close we can get without falling over. Is, should we not leave the childish thoughts of is this lawful? Uh, isn't there, shouldn't there be something greater guiding our decision making and guiding our convictions? Uh, isn't, shouldn't it 
be something more along the line of how is this going to affect my brother? How is this going to please God? Is this going to bring glory to the Lord? What is this going to do? Uh, how is this going to affect a brother that may have an issue here? Uh, th- 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 that would help a lot if we would get back to our decisions being guided uh, by uh, other people and the glory of God and very little about what uh, the legal law says because he is the end of the law for righteousness to them that believe. Now, uh, we don't break the law. We, we establish uh, the law, uh, but there's something greater guiding our uh, decisions now, and it ought to be our love, our love uh, for one another and for our great God. Now, if I turn away thy foot from the Sabbath, uh, used to be a day families, even people that uh, weren't right with God would still get up and go to church on Sundays with their family. Daddies used to believe in getting their children to church. Uh, they would still strive to try to get their children right with God, even if they weren't. Uh, I know uh, many dads like that, and that's the wrong approach, and it's probably not going to work. Uh, but they still had a burden to see their family stay in church. Church Sundays was a special day. It was a day that people had set aside uh, to take uh, the day uh, for the Lord. It was to meditate on the word and uh, to take it easy. And he said, what you're doing, and I understand the Sabbath, and I'm not talking about the Sabbath. I'm talking about Sunday, the Lord's day, a day we set aside. Uh, But this is talking about the Sabbath, and they were finding pleasure. Uh, It wasn't necessities that drove them. It wasn't an ox in the ditch. They were finding pleasure. Uh, And that's what we do on Sunday. I know people that would miss six months of church to go camping because it's better for them. It's funner for them and their families to go camping. You need a health checkup with your local independent pastor. If you are okay and your God lets you by with missing church for six months because it feels good to go camping. You're welcome. And I'm not mad at anybody, but I'm telling you, you've got a different daddy than I got. My daddy would not let me by with that. I'm talking to a man today. I don't understand how some people get by with what they get by with. Some of you hadn't darkened the doors of a church in years. I don't know how God lets you by with that. I'd be scared to death to meet God. We need to get back to just quit coddling people and telling them right. I'm going to tell you something, sir or ma'am, that have forsaken going to God's house and you think you're better off at home because of all the hypocrites down at the church. I'm going to tell you something. You know better than what you're talking about. You may say that to other people, but you know better than what you're saying. You know that it's better for you to be in the house of God, whether there's hypocrites down here or not. Nobody's better off spiritually sitting at home Nobody's better off in nature for six months forsaking God's people. What if, what if somebody walked in here and blew all of our brains out and you were the one person that had a pistol and had you been here, maybe you could have stopped them. He said, what are you talking about? That's kind of crazy. It's crazy a little bit. But you know what? If you thought past yourself, there's no way you could abandon your brothers and sisters for six months. I love people too much. There's no way, and I'm not, I'm not the example, and I'm not trying to set myself up, but there is no way with the way I love people, the way I love this church, God's put a special place in my heart for you people, and there's no way in this world I could walk off for six months so that I could go boating and camping. I, I, I know that's cutting it too tight for some people, but I think it's in our day, we have... Pastors won't say it anymore because they've lost so many people. They're afraid to lose anymore. So people like me seem like we're being mean, but most preachers used to preach this. Amen. Can I say, woo? That made me feel better to preach it. It's true. You know I'm telling it right. You, some of you know better. Some people, they've been raised in church. They've raised to know that you don't, uh, you don't just walk off on God's church because it feels better for you. What about all the other people you could be a help to? What about a blessing you could be to me to see you come? Do, do I matter to you? Or is it just because how you feel? You don't know how you could uh, come, come back to church because how you feel. Well, if you, you'll never, can I say something to you gently as I know how? You'll never be happy again until you get past what's better for you 
and start looking again at being a blessing and a help to other people. And I realize you're going to find offense and you'll start pointing fingers and finding fault with everybody else. Then can I say this? Find a church that's better than all of us and go there. I'm not in competition for anybody. I want to see what's best for your life. And I'm telling you the best thing for your life is for you to get in a local church, support a pastor, love people until God takes you home and let them burn you up for the glory of God. I'm telling you that's the most satisfying life any of us can live is just living in the service and the sacrifice of the faith of others. You'll find no contentment anywhere else. You can't find it sitting at home. How can you be a child of God with the Holy Spirit living inside of you as holy, a spirit, a Holy Spirit, a spirit that is seeking, uh, that reproving the world of sin, uh, of righteousness, of judgment, a, a, a Holy Spirit that the Bible said would be testifying of Jesus how could you do that and never testify of Jesus? Well, you're not, certainly not testifying of him here. Are you testifying of him to all the people gathered around your house? To all the, the mice in, in the crawl space? I, I, I'm missing something. How are you being a blessing to others? How are you not forsaking the assembling of yourself? How are you? I mean, I know it sounds good and it makes you feel better at night uh, to say how much better you are off at home. But you know that's a lie. You know if you be honest in the privacy of your heart, you know that's not true. Sunday's not a day for you to do what's best for you. Is that not what he's saying here? I realize it's the Sabbath. I'm talking about Sunday. I'm using these verses in practical, I, in a sense, in their context, I understand them. But I'm using the Lord's day that we set aside the Sunday that we recognize the resurrected Savior is not a day for us to do what makes us happy. Where in the Bible does it say take long walks up the mountains on Sundays and somehow that will make it better for you? Now, occasional every now and then, I'm not talking about that. I, I, every man needs a vacation, a time away. I'll, I'll go walking with you if we'll get somebody else to preach every now and then. No, I'm kidding. Honestly, tell me, what, what benefit is it? Where in the Bible does it say that we're supposed to spend Sunday doing what makes us happy? So I'm not attacking. I don't mean to come across that way. I'm just saying, if you would reflect on yourself, the reason you're not going to church, the reason you're not going is because you're selfish. You're selfish. I know of a lady right now, very close to my heart, very dear to me and very close to, to me. And I wish for one minute, maybe it's one, one point, it's some time, she could realize, you realize how much it would help your husband, husband to sit down beside him in church and take his arm and sit with him at church. Sir, can I say this, sir? You know how much it would help you to sit down, how much it would help your wife, excuse me, to sit down next to your wife in church. Oh, it may not be better for you because you're mad at everybody here because you're better than all of us. You've never done anybody wrong. You've never said anything out of the way. You're, you're better than everybody else. But could you think about your wife, how it would help her? Can, Ma'am, can I ask you, what about your husband? I know, I know you're better than all of us and, and uh, we're mean people and mean-spirited and hypocrites and all of that. Then why don't you come show us how to do it right? If you're so right, why don't you get off the couch and come here and show us how to do it? Now, maybe I'm being too, too hateful and I don't mean to be. But I, I tell you what bothers me is I hate letting it go, worrying about if a person even knows God and can live that way. And I don't want to say anything about it, so I just let it go because I don't want to hurt their feelings. I'm concerned about you spiritually. Just think about others. Think about what a blessing you could be, how God could use your life. Think about that. Now, if thou turn thy way, thy foot from the Sabbath in verse 13... 
from doing thy pleasure. When did Sunday become optional? I saw something on Facebook, and you see very little that's worth repeating. But I did see something that made a lot of sense. I think it was a black preacher preaching this. I can see the video, and I don't know who he was or what denomination or anything like that. But he said the church declared itself non-essential a long time ago. And he's exactly right. We're not essential. I wonder how many of you kids, how many of you young people, if your parents said you didn't have to come, how many of you would come on down to church? Well, a lot of your parents are setting the pattern that it is very optional for you to go. And so I would venture to say it'll be optional for you when you grow older. Shouldn't be optional. But we, we declared ourselves non-essential. Church is not essential. You can still be a great Christian and sit at home and not obey the Bible. I don't know who told you that, but they lied to you when they told you that. Call the Sabbath a delight, the holy of the Lord, honorable, and shall honor him. Hey, you may not like me, but why don't you come and honor the Lord? <laughs> Amen. Anybody that loves him, I love. Shouldn't that be the way? Now, I got to move on. Not doing thine own ways shalt thou honor him. Not doing thine own ways, nor finding thine own pleasure, nor speaking thine own words. Then shalt thou delight thyself in the Lord, and I will cause thee to ride upon the high places of the earth, and I'll feed thee with the heritage of Jacob thy father, for the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. I'm trying to think in our times, wouldn't it, wouldn't it be something if we were fed with the heritage of Percy Ray, Dr. Seidler, Billy Sunday, many of these men? Wouldn't it be wonderful? The only hope we have is to get back to loving people, get our eyes off ourselves, deny ourselves, and uh, for the glory of God, not for our own selfish reasons, uh, but get back to loving and helping people. Lord, we love you. And thank you so much for your grace. None of us would be what we are but by your grace. And I pray you'd help all of us to get a real burden for some people in our lives that we could try to see come to Jesus. And help us all to carry a great burden for each other as far as brothers and sisters in the Lord where we have therefore opportunity to do good unto all men but especially those of the household of faith. Help us to love each other more perfectly. Uh, Lord, I pray my words would... Uh, Lord, be used uh, that were true, that were right. Uh, Lord, to help somebody that may be listening. Uh, we love you, Lord, and thank you for all you do. Please be with our missionaries and help those that are struggling financially. Uh, speak to our hearts and the hearts of our men about uh, if we should uh, be a blessing and how much we should uh, be a help to Brother Gassaway. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we'll see you Sunday. Lord willing, we'll see you Sunday, uh, 11 o'clock, no Sunday school, and um, then we'll have the service back 6 o'clock Sunday night. We'll be back in the church house for good, so uh, be praying, okay? We love you. God bless you.